the Next Level Occupational Therapy Podcast. My name is Kara Welke, Occupational Therapist and creator of the Next Level Occupational Therapy Platform. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, inspire, and motivate occupational therapy professionals to level up in their career, whether that be to start a new business, add a side job, and or to figure out how to be more satisfied in their current career. Hope you enjoy the show. the Next Level Occupational Therapy Podcast. My name is Kara Welke, occupational therapist and creator of the Next Level Occupational Therapy Platform. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, inspire, and motivate occupational therapy professionals and students to level up in their career, whether that be to start a new business, add a side job, and or to figure out how to be more satisfied in their current career. Thank you for listening to today's show, which is sponsored by our Therapy Business Builder Program. This program is where we help healthcare professionals start the business of their dreams from the ground up. Also, be sure to join our free Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook group. And for even more support, guidance, and training, check out our Next Level Visionary Membership Group. It's time to level up occupational therapy professionals. My goal is to interview occupational therapy professionals who have started their own businesses so that you can learn from those that have already been through the process. I'm so excited for all we will learn from current occupational therapy entrepreneurs. And today's show, I am super excited to welcome my very first interview with an occupational therapy student who is already an entrepreneur. So it's my pleasure to welcome Emma Grace Kramer, who's an occupational therapy student at Eastern Michigan University. She graduated from Columbia College in Chicago with a BA in Cultural Studies in 2013. After graduation, she moved back to Michigan and worked as a preschool teacher and toddler teacher while she worked on the prerequisites for the OT program. Emma finished her 200-hour yoga teacher training in 2014 and has been self-employed as a yoga teacher part-time ever since. She specializes in adaptive yoga, whether students need modifications because they have neurological conditions, they are children or families, they are rock climbers, or they are on the water, or in the case of paddleboard yoga. Emma is able to adapt her classes so that all students can explore and feel safe. She is the co or she co-owns a paddleboard yoga company called Roots Up, where she teaches weekly classes in the summer and runs an annual training program for other yoga teachers to learn how to teach on the water. Emma has also recently launched an online course, Principles of Peace, External to Internal, that guides students through the first two limbs of yoga, the yama and Niyama in order to learn more about themselves. So Emma, that's so amazing. All that you are doing while you're an occupational therapy student, I honestly don't know how you do it all. That is amazing. So why don't you start by just telling us about it? Tell us about your businesses, all about what you do. Yeah, sounds great. 
So I'm self-employed as a yoga teacher, and that has really changed what it looked like recently. It used to look like teaching workshops at yoga studios and holding weekly classes and then also holding private yoga sessions. And then I was moved all online due to COVID recently. And it has been really, really cool to have a little bit more time to dedicate to my teaching and it kind of like lit a fire underneath me. So right now I offer online uh, recorded classes. You can watch those at any time. That's convenient. I have weekly classes that I do through Zoom. And then as you said, I just launched an online course. So my students can either sign up for like the live classes one time, just pay whatever they're able to pay for that, or they can pay monthly, again, whatever they're able to afford. And then they have access to all the recorded content and the weekly live class. So it's worked out really well to be flexible for them and also like, you know, still give me the income that I was counting on from all of the different ways that I teach yoga. So it's been really great. I'm just going to launch doing the private Zoom yoga as well. And I love kind of finding the silver linings and things and everything being pushed online forced me to do the online course a lot quicker than I wanted to. I was wanting to be like huge expert in not only the content, which I really feel comfortable with as being a yoga teacher, but also like the way I was going to present it. So I'm like, I'm going to do a test run of workshops in person, and then I'm going to do this and that and refine it and refine it and refine it until it's perfect. And what I've really found is so cool is that it's, encouraging me not to be perfect and to, you know, just take the content out there and see how it goes and just be really honest with my first round of students and say like, Hey, I'm learning with you. Give me feedback. And so I'm pretty excited that this is kind of like lit the fire to get me out there quicker. So that is the yoga has like all of these different limbs. And the first two limbs are the yamas and niyamas. And these are more of like the morals of yoga. And then the third limb is asana, which is like the actual physical practice. So these are things like nonviolence, telling the truth, cleanliness are just some of the examples. There's five yamas and five niyamas. So each course, it's like a two-part course and each course is five weeks. And we look at a different one of those principles each week. Awesome. That's just great. I have lots of questions for you, but before I ask that, talk also about your paddleboard company or that you co-own. Perfect. So I started paddleboarding and I immediately knew I needed to do yoga on the paddleboard. I feel like you either know that you need to do that or you don't when you get on a paddleboard. And I did a training in Chicago where I learned like how to sequence for the water and keep everybody safe. It was also with the World Paddle Association. So I learned a lot of paddle techniques and that was about six years ago. And so then I just started teaching paddleboard yoga with a paddleboard company. They provided the boards, I provided the service, and I built that class for three years. And then I met someone, her name's Amy, and she is like my friend soulmate. She's like my perfect compliment. And we actually didn't know each other too long. And I had really been wanting to scale the business. And so it seemed like, and she was in love with paddleboard yoga. So it seemed like a perfect fit for us to be partners. And that was three years ago. So I did like three years on my own. And then now we've had the company together for three years. And 
we have learned so much. Um, I can get into it now or I can get into it later, but partnerships are very difficult. And so I've learned a lot of really awesome lessons through having a partner, especially a partner that is my best friend. So luckily we've had a lot of compassion for each other as we've learned through it. That's awesome. Okay. So where to start? Okay. Let's start with how did you learn to do all of this in the first place? How did you learn to start your own business? So I kind of like fell into it. I've always been like very ambitious and like maybe even a little bit addicted to being busy. Um, so that has helped me and also hurt me along the way. And luckily it's yoga. So the tools of the practice kind of bring me back to that balance. Like with the yoga teaching, I just taught at studios and then it kind of like slowly evolved. And with the paddleboard business, I learned a little bit from the training that I did about how to go out on my own and start it. And then it was also through like trial and error, really. I would, you know, do business for a while. And then I was realizing like, oh, I actually don't know how much money I'm making and how much I'm spending to my board provider. I actually don't know how much I'm investing in equipment for myself. And it just kind of like naturally evolved out of necessity where I was like, I should probably keep track of that. Um, and then, you know, slowly over time, I learned like how to, how to keep track of it, what kind of contracts I needed, what kind of insurance I needed. And it was really just asking the people around me. And, you know, I, I had a friend who went to law school. And so asking him like, what kind of things, where should I be looking for this? And, you know, asking the board provider, what insurance do you use? Things like that to kind of like piece it together over time. That's fabulous. So, um, how many you said, so you've been doing your paddleboard business for six years now. Yep. And how long have you been doing your, um, yoga? Six years also. Okay. And then, um, and you kind of said you kind of gradually started into doing both of them or did you envision you wanted to start a business way before that time? Um, no, I've never really known that I wanted to start a business. If somebody would have told me like about being an entrepreneur when I was in high school, I think I would have turned out a very different person. Um, I would have paid attention a lot more in math and <laughs> I would have like really seen a future for myself in a different way. Whereas I was like, kind of like wandering around, like, what am I supposed to do? Um, and, and the way that I kind of like realized that I wanted to be an entrepreneur was really other people telling me. Um, I've always been like a natural leader and I have always just kind of taken charge and done what I wanted to do. And over time people have said like, Oh, you should just do that on your own or, Oh, you know, people have their own like business doing that. And just seeing other examples as well kind of helped me too. my life's work is it's, I don't know how common it is, um, particularly for women, but my life's work is to like rein in my opinion and rein in my voice. And I've always been like a leader through like aggression. And so I've been like my life's work, the work that I do through yoga has been all about like learning how to be a collaborator and learning how to be a leader that like listens and shares. So I think that's probably why people always told me I should do it on my own. That's fabulous. So how long, once you knew you wanted to do it on your own, how long did it take you to get those two businesses set up? It was pretty quick, but 
like I would say, I was just, you know, I hit the ground running, started teaching classes. I found um, the board provider from the paddleboard company, and I just reached out, asked if we could collaborate. He had me teach a demo class. It's probably the most scared I've ever been um, because it was the first paddleboard yoga class I had taught, and it was like downriver of a dam. And normally the dam is closed. And on this particular day, all of the gates were open and he recruited like way too heavily. So I had like, you know, 10 people on paddle boards. Luckily he had anchors, um, but it was all of his gear. So I was just kind of like depending on him and it was his first yoga class ever. And we just hit the water running, so to speak. Um, and it went really well and nobody floated away. And then I had my weekly class. So it kind of was just like I put the action in place and then figured out all of the details as I went. That's awesome. So, and that's one thing I see so many people not doing is putting the action in place. So taking action, which you obviously did quickly. And then the other thing that you mentioned um, earlier with your online courses is you know, not worrying about it being perfect. And that's another thing, like some of my coaches really push is, you know, imperfect action is better than no action, right? So going out there and doing this is amazing. So how are you able to do all of this while being an OT student? Well, it helps that my um, paddleboard company is seasonal. And it also helps to have a business partner um, because we can share the work. I think that it can get like really tricky sometimes because even if you have enough hours in the day, there's only so many things that you can like really wrap your mind around. Um, so like, for example, this semester things going online was, was actually a pretty big blessing for me, but I didn't realize it because I didn't realize that I had taken on way too much. Um, and then once things went online, I kind of had a moment to reflect and realize wow, I would not have been able to handle that because I was a TA this semester also. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I have a tendency to get a little bit over my head um, and then have to sort it out. Um, So I think that it's really nice to like sit down with a calendar and not only think about like the actual time in the class, like for me in my businesses, the time when I'm actually teaching, but all of the prep that's going to go into it, the driving time, the time to plan your sequence or whatever you want to teach and really being honest about that. And that's something that I'm still working on um, and still trying to figure out how to juggle um, and kind of like set those boundaries for myself. Um, but when I screw up and I overcommit, I just make it work. <laughs> you sound a lot like me or I sound a lot like you either way you put it. (laughs) So what are your thoughts about other students um, becoming entrepreneurs? I think that it's a really awesome way of complementing school um, because you can set your own schedule when you're an entrepreneur. Like sometimes, yeah, you're going to have to be on and you're going to feel like you don't have time because it all, it all falls on you at the end of the day. But um, for me, like my, my businesses being part-time is really, really helpful because I can kind of like decide how much I commit to. I can pull back if I realize that I've overcommitted. I can lean on my business partner and ask for help. 
And that's a lot different than if you're working like a normal part-time job when you're in school. And I can customize like my experience. Like I want to teach an online course. Great. That's going to give me really, really good experience for leading groups as an occupational therapist and even like leading telehealth groups. And I want experience with um, like hands-on manipulation or like um, adjustments in yoga. I can do that in my field. And so even if your field is not yoga, um, there's ways of like getting some of the experience in school that can really translate and be really cool. And also I got to run a whole bunch of really cool like fundraisers for my school's soda and PTE, you know, using my business. So it's just been really cool in a lot of different ways. I think it's amazing. Um, And I hope that, you know, well, this podcast for one, but we all can continue to do more things to let students know that they can do their own side gig, side business, instead of working for someone else, even starting in school. And that will help them down the road. And also know that you don't need to go and work for yourself. You can, you know, do OT by creating your own business. So yeah, yeah. So many things. it's really cool too, because um, like my program started a new fieldwork experience where we developed a neurological clinic at our school. Um, and we saw clients with different um, neurological conditions. And we had to launch that from the ground up. And that was not intimidating to me. I know how to do that. I recruited so many people. I know how to reach out to my network. I know how to spread the word about something. I know how to market it. And like, I ended up recruiting like, you know, at least three of our clients because of this experience. And even if you don't plan on having like your own occupational therapy business, you can now offer that to like any place that you work, like, you know how to sell yourself. And that's such a huge skill, um, that I feel like we don't, a lot of us are just not that comfortable with. Um, but again, with my kind of like, uh, upfront personality. I feel like I already, uh, really success and like successful in that. And then owning my own business just makes it that much further. It gives you a different type of confidence. Oh yeah. That's awesome. So let's talk about what tips would you have? Um, and especially for maybe students, um, but it could be any healthcare or any occupational therapist, OTA, OT, but, um, I'd like to focus on students, but we don't have to. What tips do you have for them to start their own business or do something like what you're doing? Um, For students, I would say, actually, I guess the ones that are specific to students really work for everybody also. Um, But I would say start now. Like you were saying before, like um, we always want it to be perfect and we want to be the expert before we are the teacher. And working as a TA this semester really gave me like the language and like the permission to just tell the students, I'm not the expert. I'm still a student. I'm not sure. And that is true for um, in the yoga world as well. I'm a yoga teacher, but I will always be a student of yoga. And in any kind of business offering, like giving ourselves that permission and that vulnerability to say, yeah, I know a lot about certain things, but I'm not the expert. Um, it actually really makes you connect to your clients a lot more and giving yourself that permission will help you start. Um, even when things aren't perfect. Um, 
And then I also think it's important to um, always be networking, which I kind of just touched on. People are so uncomfortable with small talk, but small talk is not awkward if you get to talk about your passion. And, you know, what you should, like, what you go into business for yourself, um, when you choose what you're going into business with, you should make sure it's your passion, right? Because you're going to be putting in more hours than you would to just your average job. So using the fact that it is your passion, it's something that you love to talk to people is going to make a big impact. And I can't tell you how many clients and how many like really awesome students I've got just from kind of small talking and talking up my own businesses. Um, being authentic has been a hard lesson for me because you have to accept that you're not for everyone. Um, and that is something that I've found in field work as an OT student. I, there's certain clients that I just don't click with the same way that like my supervisor does. They've built a different relationship or as a yoga teacher, there's just some people in my class that they just don't like my style and there's nothing wrong with that, but it can be hard to not take it personally. And sometimes that like stops us from being authentic and we end up trying to please everybody. Um, but the people that are like that are going to enjoy us and our people, they're going to find us as long as we're really true to ourselves and authentic. Um, and you know, believing in yourself goes along those lines. Um, and then just being really prepared for curveballs you couldn't imagine. Um, they're going to happen. Um, just kind of like COVID, like it just shows us like there's no point in worrying because we could have never come up with this scenario. Um, and the same is true, especially for our paddleboard yoga company. We have had people drop out halfway through trainings and demand refunds for the time that they already spent with us. We have had our board providers change the rates that they were charging us at the last minute. We've had them stop their business altogether at the last minute and have to scramble to find where we're going to get our paddle boards. We've had trouble with park permits, regulations. My business partner and I both got married in the same summer. Um, we, that one wasn't so much of a curveball as just, you know, one of those life things. Um, and that's not even to mention all of the things that happen when we're actually floating on the water teaching yoga. <laughs> um, so, and then this summer COVID, we don't know like what our business operations will look like after Memorial day, which is when we usually open. So just knowing that there's going to be curveballs, you know, we can be prepared, um, and, and just try and prepare as much as we can and then adapt, um, which is very OT way of going about it. <laughs> exactly. We have to be good adapters. Yeah. And then the final tip um, kind of circles back to the, what I was talking about with partnerships earlier. Um, and just like be really um, like intentional when you start a partnership. I started this business of teaching paddleboard yoga and I built a class for three years. And then I brought on a partner, not realizing how much I was bringing to the table. And so it left us in this kind of like unequal footing that was unfair to both of us because we both felt the unevenness of it, but couldn't quite nail it down for a long time. Um, and I had this idea of like scaling with a partner, which works well, but when you've already been building something for a really long time, it's important to be like really aware of your worth and what you're bringing. Um, and just also like being aware of your personality. Like, as I said, I've had to learn how to like 
be more of a collaborator. And so that meant that I was really, really controlling and not fun to work with at all <laughs> um, as a partner. And it took a lot of like my partner being very um, patient with me and, you know, just being vulnerable and saying when we felt like our feelings were hurt and having those hard conversations. So if that is not something that you're ready to kind of like examine, or if you're choosing a partner that you wouldn't feel comfortable having those conversations with, um, I would just really look like pause, make sure that the reason you're choosing a partner is for the right reasons. That partnerships is a good topic. Um, we've actually talked about it over the last few weeks because um, I had a therapist contact me for um, that wanted to visit and talk about you know how she could pivot and do things different because she was coming out of a partnership that broke apart um, and how they both went in so gung-ho doing these things but then it just didn't work and it was an ugly breakup um and we had on the next level visionary summit um we had two presenters that um, both ot's that created their business as a partnership and um you know they talked about how it worked very well for them but they also noted that it it has to be a really good fit in order for it to work very well um, as well. So, and then to lead off in that, um, one of um, an OT um, colleague of mine, we were talking about partnerships and she told me the saying, um, the only ship that doesn't, the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but I just know that they can be challenging. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty awesome though, that you were able to make it work and, and then eventually, do you feel like you've been able to scale the business? Yeah, we've definitely hit a lot of roadblocks, um, in terms of scaling, not related to partnership. Um, but just like we've had, you know, like a board provider who wanted to stop, uh, being in the paddleboard industry. And we, you know, both of our weddings. And so this was going to be the summer that we built up a little bit more, but you know, COVID comes and COVID goes. And so, you know, just another hiccup. Um, we have like scaled in terms of like our offering. And so we provide like really cool sunset paddles now that we wouldn't have been able to do before um, and things like that. But we definitely want to get into more bodies of water because we're here in Michigan. We have so many lakes. Um, and so that's still on the horizon. Um, but you know, we have grown a lot and it's just been really cool to get to work with somebody that is willing to really go through it with you. Um, so I feel like even though we haven't scaled exactly how we pictured scaling, um, I can definitely say I've scaled up as like a human being. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Well, I think all of your tips are fabulous for students and just everyone in general who wants to get into entrepreneurship a lot of the tips that i believe um in as well so thanks for sharing those let's talk what are your future plans if you don't mind sharing or do you feel that entrepreneurship is going to be in your future once you graduate as an ot yeah i definitely do um i want to continue with the businesses i have and so that takes some consideration, um, in terms of like how much I can take on in the future. Um, 
I am not really sure like what it will look like in OT, but I know that I will be an entrepreneur, um, as an occupational therapist. Um, and I've, I listen to this podcast all the time and I'm in the Facebook group. And so I'm always kind of like poking around and seeing what the possibilities are out there. I still have so many questions about like what population and what setting I'm really passionate about. So I think that those are some big questions that I need to answer. I know that you always say like, you don't have to get the experience in the field first, but I do feel like I need to see more. So mm-hmm. I, I still have both of my level twos in front of me, so I'll get to see a lot that way. Um, And I have a lot of goals around being debt-free before I start another business. So that means like paying off my school loans and everything. So we'll see what it looks like. Um, But I'm sure that I will, I'll be an entrepreneur in the OT world. I just have to find my hole in the market and my passion. And I think the tough part is for occupational therapists, um, and I told this to my students too when I taught that the tough part of being an occupational therapy student is that we do so much as occupational therapists. We see everyone from birth to death, even before birth with like prenatal type stuff. Um, We do physical health, mental health, and everything in between. Um, So there's just so much that there's so much to cover and so many things we could do. And so many people want to do it all. And they have a really tough time on kind of niching that down um, to when, you know, where they want to be. And I don't, I mean, I had the same problem. I want to do it all. And it's hard to kind of really focus on kind of your main business and then build off from there. So, so it's tough. Um, what are your field works in or have they been canceled or when do you start field works or how does that work for you? I have um, three semesters of level one. I know it's different at every school, but I've done two semesters already, and then I have a fall semester. Um, and the way my program does it is pediatric, adult, and then older adult. So my fall should be older adult. Um, and I'm not really sure uh, like what's going to happen, if we're going to have any <laughs> classes or not. Um, and then I would start level two field work in January. So Okay. Um, and- do you know where yet or? Nope, not yet. I should know within the next um, couple months, hopefully. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I Like you said, I have a really hard time narrowing it down. And even just when you read my intro um, in the beginning, you can tell even in the yoga world, I have a hard time narrowing it down. I teach kids yoga and I also teach like private yoga to clients that have um, Alzheimer's. And so the full life range um, also interests me in yoga. So I think that'll be my biggest challenge in occupational therapy is narrowing it down. But I am really particularly interested um, in all types of neuro. So we'll see. That's awesome. Well, just your skills with yoga is going to be so invaluable with anything you do with any of the ages, any of the groups, you can pull that in. So you totally got, you know, a way heads up on that. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's really helped with classes as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember as a teacher, I'd be getting down. I mean, I love yoga. I go to yoga, but I'm not well versed in any of it, but So we would do some of the different poses in class just to kind of, but you know, a few students did yoga, but yeah, not, not very many of them were even well versed in it. And it just being 
going to yoga class, I think, can really benefit you with working with the population we work with. So, and even like Parkinson's wellness recovery program, it's a program for, um, obviously people with Parkinson's, but a lot of the different moves they have, I can, you know, they kind of incorporate some yoga type moves into, into it, um, as well. So yeah, it's really cool too, because, um, like the philosophy, like for example, the principles of peace, um, external internal, that's the course that I'm running online that looks at like the principles of yoga. So the yamas and the niyamas, and these are really, really similar to a lot of OT's core values and just like how, you know, the best practice. So for example, the first yama is ahimsa and that means nonviolence. And it's deeper than just not hurting somebody. It also gets into that kindness and compassion, but also the trust. So trusting somebody to achieve their highest version of themselves, not our highest version of them. And to me, that's like exactly client-centered care. Right. Um, and like giving over like the kind of like control or the idea of being the expert and letting your client be the expert of their own life. And so even in like the more philosophical principles and like the morals of yoga, there's so much overlap, which is really cool. That's awesome. I wonder, is there something for you to think about? I mean, and maybe there's something like this out there, but it would be interesting to even have just a course on yoga and, and occupational therapy and like the overlap or the different components and how they really kind of fit well together. Is there something like that out there? Or? I'm not sure. I should look into it because I teach, um, I do a lot of fundraisers. Our school has a, a conference that it fundraises for and then for soda and PTE. And when I do those classes, they're normally aimed for our students in the program and so I will use like anatomical and layman's terms for all of the poses and all the movements that I want them to do. And then I'll also do like the overlap of the core values with like yoga's values weaved in. Um, so I kind of already do that in a way. So yeah, I, I'll have to look and see if it's out there and start. There you go. Your next, co your next course. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, and I know this is kind of off topic, but so how did you learn to put your courses online and create online courses? Um, I just, again, it was one of those natural progressions. So I went to an art school, Columbia College Chicago, for my bachelor's. And as a part of the program, we all got a website. Um, I think I'm one of the only like non-art majors at that school. Um, and so we all got a website and we had like a counseling session where we like learned how to set it up and everything. And so I had that website for years and it just kind of evolved. Like I had some photography on it and then my writing and as my interests evolved, it evolved with me. And eventually I ended up listing my yoga classes on it. Um, and then when we started our business, I switched over my website to Squarespace also with the business website um, because the platform I used before was just a little bit dated. And so then we tried our hand at a podcast, um, and did like a couple episodes and had to figure out how to upload that. We tried, you know, to do a couple videos and had to figure out how to upload that. Um, and so it, I kind of like pieced it together and have gotten really good at like customizing the website and it helps that it's drag and drop and then figuring out all the little workarounds to make it look the way you want it to. 
Um, and then I also have done online courses and I have like learned a lot from what worked for the way that they set things up in terms of using like password protected pages within their website, or even just like you can have the navigation on your website list certain pages, but then you can also have pages that aren't listed on the navigation. So just like little things that are really, really simple, but you wouldn't know unless you had like done it with somebody else's course. Um, it's kind of how I figured it out. And then with this first group, I'm just being really vulnerable and telling them like, it's a beta course. This, you guys are the first group. So please tell me like, what works, what doesn't work? Do you prefer to get the emails in like a newsletter, like through MailChimp or something like that? Or do you prefer for it to just be like a standard email? Um, you know, just details like that, that getting that input from them really, really helps. And just asking them like, why did you sign up for this? Besides the fact that I pestered you to sign up for it. <laughs> Um, what do you like about it? And then that kind of gives me insight to see what's going to work well for the future. That's awesome. I just think back, well, I can't think back to when I was a student because that's way too many years ago, but even just when I was teaching, um, which was last December and before I didn't really know all this online world stuff existed until I started, gosh, until I went to Smart Success Physical Therapy Live last May. And then it just kind of brought in the whole new world of what's out there for us as occupational therapy professionals and learning about how to create our own courses and the podcasts and the websites and all of that kind of stuff. So I just think it's impressive. And I, I mean, I'm sure more and more students do it, but I just, do you do the website stuff or anything like that in your OT program? No, no, nothing like that. Um, and we don't really have like much entrepreneurship. Um, we have a couple newer teachers who own their own business. Um, so hopefully we'll get a little bit more worked in. Um, but really, I mean, a lot of it comes from like going to an art school and then having the yoga background. Because right. those are like the groups of people that were kind of doing it. Um, and those backgrounds also are the reason that I am like always asking for feedback, like almost an annoying amount. Um, like even when I was a TA after every single week, I was like, what did I sent them an anonymous survey? What did you understand? Well, what do you still not understand? Because that feedback is just so valuable. And when you're an art student, you're used to everybody tearing apart your work. And when you're a yoga teacher, you're used to other teachers coming to your class and giving you feedback, hopefully. Um, so it really just makes you grow so much. And then in that same way, you can figure out the tech sides of things. Cause they'll be like, this made no sense. I could not figure out how to get to the right link. And then you can kind of make it a little bit more intuitive. Yeah. I was just thinking that it'd be so great to get just more of this stuff into our OT programs. <clears throat> and I know there are some that have it, but I know there's some that don't have any of it. So, um, yeah, just be awesome. So, well, this has been amazing. I think it's so awesome. Everything that you're doing, do you have any last other advice or anything else you want to share for either students or just OT practitioners in general? Um, I would say just believe in yourself. Um, know that, you know, just because you're afraid doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And, we talk all day long, at least in my program, about self-efficacy and think about like what 
is going to make you have stronger self-efficacy. Um, I think I was kind of like put in this world with an insane, uh, feeling of effectiveness and my ability to affect change. But if you're not naturally like that, we preach all day long experiences of success, experiences of, you know, getting to actually do something and feel like we did it well. So set those up for yourself. Give yourself the chance to, you know, feel like your voice is really worthy and just put yourself out there and you'll be really amazed the way that people react to it. Awesome. Thank you so much. So much great information. I. I'm so glad you could be on the show and maybe you'll get some courses out there that um, we can share. So those of you that are more courses out there, I should say you already have one, but if you could send me um, like your website and then your link to the course you do have and a little bit about you, I'll post this in the podcast and yeah, would love to hear, keep hearing more about what you're doing. So thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's show, which is sponsored by our Therapy Business Builder Program, where we help healthcare professionals start the business of their dreams from the ground up. Also, be sure to join our free Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook group. And for even more support, guidance, and training, check out our next level visionary membership group time to level up occupational therapy professionals